As a mother comforts her child, says the Lord, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. This wonderful image of a mother with her baby against her breast comforting her child. This is the image that God wants us to have of him as he comforts us, as he comforts those in exile in Babylon. For these are words God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah to a people in captivity. They have been taken out of their homeland. They have been taken out of Israel, out of Jerusalem, and they are by the banks, by the waters of Babylon, and there they mourn and they grieve for Jerusalem. And yet in this prophecy, God speaks through Isaiah to say, you will be comforted. And your hearts will rejoice and your bodies will flourish like the grass. And it will be known because of this that the hand of the Lord is with his servants. But we know that these prophecies are not just to the contemporaries of the prophets. They are spoken to the prophet Isaiah's contemporaries, those who have been or will be taken into captivity in Babylon out of their own land. But there are always deeper meanings in these prophecies, in these prophetic words. And Jesus turns back to the words of the prophets to point to himself as the coming Messiah. And this prophecy is not just a word of comfort to those in exile in Babylon, but it is also a word of comfort to those who have been in the exile of sin. For it is about our return out of exile as well. It is about our coming out of darkness, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, released from captivity to sin into his kingdom, and our bodies will then rejoice, be set free, and flourish in God's kingdom. The promised kingdom, the promised reign of God with his people, it begins with Jesus, and it continues. It begins at the incarnation. He brings into being the kingdom of God with his very person. And we know this and we see this. It is a current reality. He sends out the 70 ahead of him. And he says to go into all of the villages. And whether or not they receive the word or they reject the word, they are to say this to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. See, the kingdom of God has entered into our world, a reality. It comes with healing. It comes with righteousness for the unrighteous. It comes to bring us the ability to resist sin, and it comes with everlasting life. This is the kingdom of God that is present amongst us. But Jesus knows that there are some who prefer the darkness to the light. 
and who will reject this kingdom of God. But in rejecting God's kingdom and his kingdom ways, they are, he says, rejecting not only the messenger, but the one who has sent the messengers, Jesus, and not only Jesus, but they have rejected God himself. He says, whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. And whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. It doesn't change the reality of the kingdom. The kingdom of God has entered in and it is a current reality. When electricity came to rural America, these big poles went up all across the landscape. And between the poles were strung electric cables, one after another, deep rows across the landscape. But people were a little bit wary. They were used to candles. They were used to gaslight. What's this newfangled thing called electricity? Even though the promise was that they would no longer have to go and wash things by hand. There would be electric washers and dryers. When electricity first came to rural America, the electric cables were strung from one pole to another and every once in a while, the electric cable will be strung from the pole to a house. But it was one house and then five to ten without and then maybe another one decided, well, maybe I'll try this and got hooked into the power. The power was available. But not everybody got hooked in initially. That's the truth of the kingdom. The kingdom power is here. It is available. It is to be stepped into or rejected. I've shared this image before with you, uh, so forgive me for sharing it again. It's, it, it seems a good one to me. It falls down in a several areas, but um, it's that TV commercial that they ran a few years ago. If you remember, it was kind of a split screen. It was kind of grayscale. Um, it was all in grayscale, and it was a couple who were going uh, shopping for uh, plants and shrubs and everything from, for their garden. And I guess it was about one place was better than the other place, but it was just such a brilliant image because the, the screen is split, and so the one side is gray, and the other side is just amazingly lavish colors and just overflowing flowers. And, 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 the, and the commercial has the man kind of put his foot in through the grayscale, and all of a sudden it's, you know, in flesh turns. And so they both move in, and they're in glorious color, and they kind of move out, and they're in the darkness, and they move back in, and they're in wonderful, uh, glorious color and and this is this is this is a good image not a perfect image but a good image for the kingdom of God because both are the realities in the world that we live in it's a mystery and it's in the spiritual realm we can't necessarily see it but the two exist side by side at the same time God's kingdom is a present reality here and now. 
And we can choose to come into his glorious light or to step back into the darkness, into the grayscale of what that life looks like. It's Christ's desire, it's God's deepest desire that everybody is brought into this kingdom of God, into the kingdom of light, into a place where we flourish, into this abundance of color, into all that is life and light. And he says this to the 70 when they return. They're all about the fact that even demons submit to us. Can you just can't imagine, can you, can you Im- imagine the scene when they come back? Uh, I mean, they're just, they're beside themselves with this. The demons submit to us. How about that? And Jesus is kind of caught up in the moment and he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning as you were out there. He's not with them. But in the spiritual realm and with his spiritual eyes, he saw what was happening. The kingdom of God going out. The kingdom of God expanding into the kingdom of darkness. Overwhelming the kingdom of the enemy. But then he says, but don't rejoice in that. Rejoice rather that your names are written in the kingdom of God. That your names are written in heaven, in the place where God rules, in God's kingdom. It is so much more important. Not that you have the power that he said, and this is the power, the authority that I have given to you. It's my power, but I've given it to you to extend the kingdom. But more important than anything else is that your names are written in the annals of the kingdom. He wants everybody in this kingdom. He wants to bring everybody in. And Paul, likewise, following his master, his heart is to go out and spread the good news of the kingdom and bring more and more people in. And so he goes on his first missionary trip and he goes to Galatia. And he spreads the gospel and Christian communities spring up. And then he hears that other people have gone in afterwards and he's anguished about it. And he writes to them probably the first letter that he ever wrote. And you can hear in it saying, but now so quickly have you deserted him who called you in the grace of Christ? Don't go back into the darkness. Stay in the light. Stay in the kingdom. The entire letter is an anguished plea. Don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. Don't walk outside of where you will flourish. Stay where the Lord's hand will protect you and be with you and make your bodies flourish. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. For he says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap eternal life 
from the Spirit. He's not talking about a mean, nasty, angry God up there who is just waiting to punish. Get that idea off of yourselves if you've ever had it. That's not the God. Jesus Christ from the cross, looks at every single one of us and says, for you, I would do this again. To release you from the power of sin. Such is the love of God that he goes to the cross. It's not about him wanting to punish us. It's about him knowing what is good for us, what is true life for us what will make our bodies flourish. He knows that better than we do, so much better than we do. But he says, and this is an agricultural term, if you plant turnips, your crop's going to be turnips. If you plant sunflowers, your crop's going to be sunflowers. You're going to harvest Whatever it is you put in the ground, whatever you plant, that you will reap. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. But Paul knows there's a challenge for us. It's not always easy. In fact, it's really easy. It takes a great deal of strength. It takes a great deal of perseverance. It takes a great deal of courage to not give up. And sometimes we fail. Sometimes we fall. I know that. I do that. We try, but sometimes we fail and we fall. But Paul says when that happens, those who see the falling must restore the one who falls with gentleness. It's not about condemnation. It's not about wagging a finger. It's not about judgment. It's about gentle restoration. It's about Seeing and speaking truth and lifting up and bringing back gently into the kingdom of God. In his letter to the Corinthians, he puts it this way. He knows we fail, we fall, each one of us. He says, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. But God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. See, we're not just to live with our own rights in mind. We live in a community. And Paul says, to work for the good of all. Let us work for the good of all. 
not just thinking about ourselves, but thinking about the community in which we live. He says we're to bear each other's burdens, careful that our actions do not cause another to sin, but on the contrary, doing those things that only give glory to God. Give glory to God, he says. Those who follow rule, peace be upon them. Give glory to God in all things. We've been commissioned, just like the 70. We've been commissioned to spread the glory of God, to spread his kingdom, the glory of his kingdom, and to bring others in. In other words, the kingdom walks with us because Christ resides with us. And so our lives themselves must portray the one who resides within us. We are little Christs, Christianos, Christians. That's what it means. To be a Christian is to be a little Christ, is to have Christ within us. It's a name given to the Christians, first of all, in Antioch. Christianos, little Christs, we are to spread the kingdom by who we are, to spread the good news of Christ through the witness of our lives. Peter says it this way, people who do not believe are living all around you and might say that you're doing something wrong, but rather live such good lives that they will see the good things that you do and will give glory to God on the day when Christ comes. It's a present reality. The kingdom of God, and there is always a draw back into the kingdom of darkness, but he has given us the power and the strength to remain in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of light, and to spread it, to continue on that work of Christ, the work of the 70, the work of the 12. May we follow in his footsteps. May we truly be little Christs. May we follow the way of the one who gave up everything to die for us that we might enter into kingdom life. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.